Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. We're back with an important announcement. I decided to run. In 2020. Oh, goodness. Run away? I'm, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, with Janet Go faster. Oh, yeah. I love run away. Yeah, running away with me and my love. Run away was the um, a single off design of a decade, right? The extra song. Yeah. That's such an awesome song. I don't know if it's available on streaming. It wasn't I can't find longest. the video anywhere. And that's the one where she's like on the Eiffel Tower and yeah. stuff. It's, doing Carmen Sandiego tricks. It's a scam. Yeah. You're running? Yeah, I'm running. Um, what do we get out of this? <laughs> First of all, I just, I really want to take down um, ALC. Oh. <laughs> okay. I know she's not running herself, but yeah. she's taxing the rich and I plan on becoming rich. Oh, I see. So I just want to preempt. Got it. Preempt. Got it. I truly, gun to my head, couldn't list everyone running for president. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I don't. Can I, I even I, spell Tulsi? I don't know. I forgot about, damn, when we talked about her, I completely know. forgot about her. All these people who aren't going to be president, running for president. Wagon wheel, what tells you? <laughs> That's a burlesque reference. Yeah. John Lovett's probably running, to be honest. <laughs> all of them. All of them. All three of them are running. All, all, the, all the Tommy Johns. Yeah. Uh, a three-person ticket. Oh, wow. They could, Maybe they can get away with that. Anyway, I just got a show to do today. They all shop at the same old navy. <laughs> you know. Uh, this just kind of dark. Well, let's let's lighten it up so we can can we briefly address a monumentous event that took place this weekend, which was Andy Cohen is having a baby, something I completely forgot. Someone is having a baby for Andy Cohen. Yes. And um cuz I don't like giving I don't like saying that men are having babies because they are not. That's true. They are not giving birth to anyone. Right. It is this the stork is the one having yes, the baby. Yes. It's yes. Been dropped off. <laughs> exactly. On his doorstep. <laughs> exactly. And so he had a baby shower with only Real Housewives cast members and John Mayer. John Mayer, who he is best friends with. Best friends which with. Always shocks me. And my favorite thing about this, I mean, there were a lot of highlights from this baby shower. Kyle dancing on a table. Um, Lisa Rinna uh, shouting at everyone to get on the table of dance yeah. because you owe him your fucking life. Her aggressive, Ram- I'm not going to call it dancing, what she was doing, but it was certainly undulating. No, Ramona was- <laughs> looking like confused as always. But my favorite thing was how none of them were dressed for the same event. Like, the outfits at this shindig were truly all over the place. Like, you had women in cocktail dresses. Ramona is in, like, a day white. Kyle is in an all-white business suit. Eva is in jeans. Like, none of this made Karen any Huger sense. Karen Huger was in a Fendi jumpsuit. Yeah. Like, so. a racetrack suit. And John way, Mayer was wearing just, like, jeans. Yeah, it, none of it made any sense. Also, I mean, an all-lady event and then... John Mayer, just baffling. I know that was very strange. Because the thing is, you know, this was his. This well, was his Real Housewives. Love cool John. 
Sure. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah. his Real Housewives specific <laughs> baby shower. You know he's going to have a real one with like his real friends. And so why John Mayer didn't go to that one? Why he was invited to right. the Housewives one like doesn't really. I can't understand if that's a, an insult to him or a compliment. I'm well, not sure. So Andy lives in New York. and But since he's here... I feel like John, since he was also in town, just happened. But to you go. know, John wasn't the only dude he's friends with in LA who would have been like, "I'm in town." Yeah, I'm gonna go Mark to Consuelos out. is like, "I'm right over like here, he, girl." Like, or none of the husbands. <laughs> he is shooting Riverdale in Toronto. Oh, see, <laughs> um, that makes sense. Right, right, right. Where was Kelly Ripa? Where was Kelly Ripa? By the Andy way, Cohen. Oh, you know what? Who was there? <laughs> the other man that was there is Jerry O'Connell. I oh, because he's about. on that Bravo oh. show. He was there. Yeah. Yes. Forgot about him. I saw a brief glimpse of him. Lisa yeah. Rinna, I forget sometimes, her hair is so like 80s, like Marky Post on Night Court, which I respect. Just, I, it's a forgotten brand of hair. I'm she gonna... has had the same hair since she was doing heroin on Days of Our Lives and trying to keep hope from finding out her memories from Stefano's puzzle box. Did Stefano pull off the baby switch? My aunt would watch that show and they would always tease that. I think he did pull he it off. He swapped some babies. Yes, right. Yeah. I saw Lisa Rinna once at Soul Cycle, which by the way, is not something I do often. I feel the need how, to say that. that. I feel like she would have taken over for the instructor at some point. Well, so she wasn't in my class. Like, I was leaving and I saw her waiting. And the hair was pristine even yeah, going I into bet. the class. Yeah, She's still with Harry Hamlin, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. With their knockoff Hadid twins. They're not <laughs> twins. They're the sisters. <laughs> just, but she literally, uh, last season, through the boring season that was um, the recent Beverly Hills, even though the next one looks good, she basically just tried to be a Yolanda. Yes. She was like, well, Yolanda got the Hadid girls famous <laughs> via this show and modeling. I'm going to do the same thing. Guess which Yolanda I thought you were talking about for a second. Adams? No, the one from Selena. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Saldivar. Why did like, you what? think that? <laughs> that was the Why first, on earth? That's in the, the first context, Yolanda in my bank. In the, <laughs> in the context of this conversation, you thought we were somehow shifting over to Selena? I was th- Lisa, Lisa just screams into the camera, I can't believe I killed my best friend. Yes. <laughs> You know, Yolanda's my mom's name. Oh, really? It's yeah. a beautiful name. She did not kill Selena. Okay, well, so you say. <laughs> She's killed some people. That's right. Well, we'll get oh, to that. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, I think we got an episode to do. Later on, we will be joined by Indian songwriter and rapper Raja Kumari, and we're going to get into Brian Singer, Rami Malek, and how he owes me an apology. Even though he's on our vision he's board, our it board. really upsets me. We're going to yeah. have to put something over him. Uh, who can we tattoo over Rami Malik's face? Send in your votes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Brian Singer, one of Hollywood's most successful creepy directors, <laughs> is back in the news. I really just thought of 70 creepy directors right at once. I'm like, Alfred Hitchcock, Stanley Cooper, goes on and on. Just, Roman just, Polanski. <laughs> just locking Kim Novak in a closet. Right. I'm oh. sure he did that at some point. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, uh, Tippy Hedren. Yeah, it goes <laughs> on and on. Uh, many of his movies remain hits, like Bohemian Rhapsody, which was just nominated for Best Picture, <laughs> and also made a shit ton of money. It did. It is crazy how much money it made. Right. Um, 
a lot of people want to see this movie. I think it it's is one and of it them. isn't though, right? Because it's just it's queen. queen, yeah, right, right. And like, I feel like that's a demographic of people who go to movies. Sure. I just feel like Queen also is like, you know how like in, in Get Out, the horrible white people who say, I'd vote for Obama again. I feel like people who are homophobic in the same way are like, I own Queen's greatest hits. You know, everybody thinks they're cool for liking Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's my science that I brought to this. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Madam Curie. Yeah. Anyway, we've all known that Brian Singer was trash for like a minute. But recently, The Atlantic published a piece written by Alex French and Maximilian Potter, who write for Esquire, by the way. It was a piece that was supposed to appear in Esquire, but then Mm. it got nixed by Esquire execs and ended up in The Atlantic. The piece is called Nobody Is Going To Believe You, and it talks about Brian Singer's sexual misconduct for the past 20 years, and it has interviews with some new alleged victims of his. So basically, he's back in the news. This is a long reported story, sort of like when the Harvey Weinstein piece rolled out. And now people are all of a sudden like, oh, Brian Singer's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody's GLAD nomination was rescinded. He is, he, I mean, it's interesting that it took this long into the Me Too kind of moment because Brian Singer, like when you're when Harvey Weinstein happened and immediately everyone is like, OK, Louis C.K. is next. Like you had a list of the dudes word bank. who you yeah. knew exactly who were going to be next. And like and least, Rachel Wood, I remember, tweeted, when's Brian Singer? Yeah. So Brian Singer was like one of the first ones. And it's been what, like two years now or a year and a half, like a while for this to kind of, and I don't know if it's because of Bohemian Rhapsody or we just had a bunch of people to get through by the, before we could get to Brian Singer. <laughs> well, part of it too is I feel like pieces come out about Brian Singer all the time and no one really does anything about it. Uh, I, I mean, I remember living through when he was being sued uh, and it turns out that like the charges ended up being dropped and so we sort of all just collectively didn't do anything with it because he's also not consistently in the press the way that a lot and of other not, people he's are. He's not famous mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm. same way. Like yeah. that name recognition isn't quite there with Brian's. Yeah. Like you definitely like Woody Allen. Well, you've definitely seen a Brian Singer movie, but you may not have realized it was a Brian Singer movie. The yeah. thing also happens to you when you move to LA and are a gay man. I moved here like ten years ago, and I feel like. I mean, these people are obviously still around, but you always hear like, oh my God, I used to be at Brian Singer's parties. And it's never with an air of like, and you should have been there. It was, <laughs> it was, it was always an air of like, what was I doing there? Right. What was that? You know? So it's, it's, he's, there's it's like an air were, of spookiness around him just anyway. It's like you were at the pool party at a nightmare on Elm Street. Just uh, right. People yes. being slashed left and right. Um, I used to work, this is horrifying. Uh, I used to work at the Coffee Bean. Oh, I remember. In West Hollywood. Ooh, how yeah. very Perez Hilton of you. That's where he used to do all his uh, blogging. That's what yeah. I know. That's my iconic uh, Coffee Bean imagery. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my nemesis who I don't think about, and yet he constantly tweets at me. Oh, he okay. doesn't like me. Oh, I uh, blocked him like two years ago. He's a mess. Yeah. But having worked at that Coffee Bean, Brian Singer loved coming into the Coffee Bean on Santa Monica Boulevard to have quote-unquote business meetings it would just be him and like three twinks ordering coffees i think he loved a um vanilla um 
Frappuccino, whatever those fucking things yeah, are called. Fra- I, can't I think it's name. like a frappe there or something. Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. I don't remember anymore. Yeah. But yeah, he was there at least like twice a week. Well, your boo has not responded to this well, <sighs> Ira. All right. Yeah. So Rami Malek, mm-hmm. who I love. Yep. He's a, uh, he's a little button. He snuck him on this board who, like, when I walked <laughs> in, I was like, what's he doing there? Uh, well, to my Rami incarcerated, uh, <laughs> he <laughs> had some bad responses. He did. To a number of bad responses. A number of bad responses to the new Brian Singer allegations. He said that he wasn't aware of the allegations against Singer when he took on the project. And in a statement to the LA Times, he said, as far as I knew, I was considered before Brian was even attached. I think that the allegations and things were, believe it or not, Honestly, something I was not aware of, and that is what it is. Who knows what happens with that? But I think somehow <laughs> we found a way to persevere through everything that was thrown our way. I, I just want to say that the phrase, it is what it is, used to upset me a little bit, and every time I hear it, it escalates, and now I'm at like a borderline trauma place with it is what it is. It, it's also crazy to look at the Brian Singer stuff as a difficulty thrown your way. The difficulty is for the victims of yes. Brian Singer. Nothing difficult, like you we lost the director. We were able to persevere. Yeah, like <laughs> you, had nothing to, you had nothing to persevere through. <laughs> uh, we know that they allegedly had a confrontational relationship throughout the filming of Bohemian Rhapsody, which makes it even weirder that he doesn't right. want to like speak out about him. Like, obviously he did some shit on the set, which pissed you off. Right. So why aren't you being vocal about it? Why are you, you know, yeah. maintaining this? It's, it's obviously, you know, because he wants to win the Oscar. Right. Also, it's very strange that they had confrontations because in most ways, Bohemian Rhapsody is a by-the-book biopic. You know, like, what could you possibly be fighting about? Like, I don't want to wear these <laughs> teeth. Yeah. I mean, to that point, though, I mean, I think Rami's statements were bad, mostly because they're just dumb and we don't believe you. Like, you need mm-hmm. more people, clearly. But um, really, Queen, like, by all accounts, the band had so much control over this film. Like, an unbelievable amount of control in every aspect of the film. And they're who I really want to ask about Brian Singer. Because Rami Malek, had a dumb response, especially it's like it's been we've had like a full year now for you to know that you're going to be asked about these things and to like come up with something coherent to say. But Queen presumably signed off on the director. Right. Like very much so. And like yeah. could have nixed a director if they didn't like him. And no one's asking them, like, why did you all settle on Brian's? And it's kind of gross in retrospect the idea that one, they made this film, this biopic, which sort of, you know, whitewashes uh, Freddie Mercury's queer history and the director that's chosen for it is someone who, you know, attacks gay men. Yes. Well, also, it it also makes you wonder if they picked him to sort of smooth over the criticism that they were getting even before this film was made, that they would do that, that they would whitewash his queer history. They're like, oh, let's just pick a gay director. Who cares if he has these assault uh, allegations in his past? Right, right. So that then then they pick that director and then they don't really have to go into it in the film because yeah. you know it's sort of and there is gayness in the movie but uh, this isn't my quote I think our our friend Chris Schleicher actually said this which was they treat his gayness like a bug not a feature you know so a lot of people said the movie was downright homophobic I don't know if I would go that far but it is uh, I understand where they're coming from my real question too is for Glad <laughs> Glad. 
said that Bohemian Rhapsody uh, was no longer up for a Glad Media Award. Why was it up for one in the first place? Every single person I, in Glad knows everything about Brian Singer. They I, have heard about it yeah. for years. Yeah. I think the other thing too, like anytime I look at the Glad, it's like there are a bunch of award shows where you're like the parameters for getting nominated seem a little unclear. And with Glad, it's like not all of the movies are like quote unquote movie or like movies about gay people. Sometimes right. it's just like that actor is gay, although he plays a straight person in the film, so we're nominated. I'm like, what is the what? How are we choosing these films? Yeah, Glad? what is the orbit of gayness? Yeah, here? It how, doesn't, the, how wide it doesn't does it go? Quite make sense to me. They're the MTV Movie Awards of gay awards. They yeah. just want a celebrity to show up so pe- they can get photos. Because I feel like sometimes it's just movies with people who are like, you know, have supported gay marriage. Nominate them for a Glad Media. Well, like it. It doesn't seem to make sense. I'm surprised Pete Davidson wasn't nominated for playing a gay person and set it up. (laughs) (laughs) With his two lines and his, like, girl or whatever he says. Oh, no, he doesn't say girl. He's like, I'm I'm gay. Can you believe it? He probably would have if he was still with Ariana. Mm, See? There you go. (laughs) They would have been like, you're nominated, Pete. We loved how you portrayed this gay man. Make sure you bring Ponytail with you. (laughs) Right. They would nominate him for video of the year somehow at the VMAs if that was the case. Uh... Anyway, Brian Sager is still working on an upcoming project. It is Red Sonia. By the way, and that kills me because if you've seen the original Red Sonia with Brigitte Nielsen, arguably the most Danish person who ever lived, <laughs> that is a movie worth remaking because it's a cool superhero-ish person in just a wretched movie. Yeah. You know, it looks like everything was built out of like Joanne Fabrics material. It looks like <laughs> bad. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something that deserves to be remade, and certainly not from him. I mean, Red Sonia is also a assault survivor, right? Yeah. So it, it's Jesus. just yeah, it's just it's just gross all around, and it's supposed to be this female empowerment movie. You can tell that the producer of the film, Avi Lerner. Uh, was obviously looking for something that could capitalize on Wonder Woman. Yeah. But, you know, Wonder Woman was made by um, Patty, Patty Jenkins. Jenkins, and she has not been running around West Hollywood having sex parties. So well, you I know, think there's a difference here. I One thing that is interesting with the Brian Singer thing is I wonder the extent to which now we need one of these huge, splashy expose stories because this one was kind of like you know the Atlantic isn't the Washington Post or the New York Times or you know New York Magazine or the New Yorker or anything like that and it's because Brian Singer is not the only one who's like slinking by where Mm -hmm. we all know things about him and he's slinking by he's one of the bigger names but it's like is that what it takes now that we you have like Ronan literally has to write the story for anyone to care because it, this this should have been like, oh, shit, look at this long story detailing all of these things that have happened. And that it has to Texting be an expo- Ronan right now. Please take care of Brian <laughs> <laughs> And that it has to be an expose written right now. It feels like, you know, there have been previous reports about Brian Singer, but we needed yeah. a new official one that yeah, feels Twitter-ready. Yeah. You know? yeah, but I mean, that was like the Louis C.K. thing. Like, no. everyone knew about Louis C.K., but we were it was like waiting and waiting for the New York Times story to drop so that we can all, like, now we have something to talk about, or now it's like, right. you know, it focused the collective rage or whatever it His is. His dried semen was all over uh, comedy. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> dressing rooms. Should I leave? Yeah. <laughs> what? I've already left. <laughs> this planet. Yeah, right. So... That begs the question of 
how much do you need to be confronted with for people to start having this conversation and what sort of creates these Twitter conversations? Because is that what sort of cancels someone? Because also over the weekend, there was Sundance, um, that snowy little right film festival where people love to go to 50 cent hawks vitamin water i haven't been there <laughs> since 2009 is that still going on okay um there was a michael jackson documentary that came out called leaving neverland and it sounds like michael jackson is over after this like <laughs> duh on basically it's a two-part series about two individuals who accused jackson of sexual abuse it premiered last friday and we haven't seen it uh, and most of the general public hasn't seen it, but it started trending. It sounds because this bad, is a yeah. big documentary, and especially right after surviving R. Kelly, I feel yeah. like people are like, "Okay, now we got to have this conversation." Well, the hard thing about this one too is like Michael Jackson is dead. Like, it, I, I actually think that you know, and I don't think this is a good thing, but. I think he like his legacy is going to come out of this kind of okay. Like I think I don't think you're going to stop hearing his music and I think part of it is because he's dead where you you know you can't put him on trial. You can put Harvey Weinstein's on trial. You can you can ask these people to explain themselves, but like because he's gone, people who don't want to accept that this happened it's an it's an easier argument to make, which is like we really haven't heard his side. We mm. really haven't heard what you know heard him explain himself. Leave it to me to not quote uh, um, Mr. Kardashian, <laughs> but <laughs> when you know when he was ranting <laughs> before he was like, "You go cancel Leonardo da Vinci," you know. <laughs> right. I mean, this is the thing where it's like you go anywhere, you hear Michael Jackson music. Yeah, it's permeated our culture so much, and it's not like you can sort of do the like the mute R. Kelly movement is about you know stopping him from continuing to profit right. off of his crimes and the behavior that he's had for decades. Yeah. This is sort of like, what? how are you stopping Michael Jackson's bag right. at and, this point? And people already don't really want to cancel these dudes. Like, you see that with R. Kelly. Like, there's a bunch of people who were defending R. Kelly and who don't, you know, not even just R. Kelly, like all of these men. And it's you've already seen them making comebacks. So many of these dudes, like I said, like a year ago, like they are going to be back. So you already have so many people who don't want to who don't want to like make the effort to say like, okay, this is really some shit we're not tolerating. And so if they're not going to do it with R. Kelly or they're not going to do it with Brian Singer, they sure as shit aren't going to do it for Michael Jackson. Who arguably has the craziest fans of all time. I think number one. Oh, of course. The fa- the Michael Jackson fans who are online right now defending him are the original stands. Right. Uh, the dub like, releasers, they, yeah. They make, oh, the doves. They oh, make God. the barbs look like uh, Little Orphan Annie. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Completely benign. They they would march into the studio and kill <laughs> us. And if I do say so myself, they might be among the dumbest because, guys, he's Michael Jackson gave 100,000 statements about how he was innocent and everybody was coming to get him, and you fucking knew it was not true. You knew he was fucking bullshitting. It's wild, too. Just I think because he's dead, there also won't be this excavation of maybe the people close to him and people who worked with him like if he was still alive we'd be like okay what's going on with the record label what's going on with the people who are in his videos i mean it's not that i ever want to say that people are 
responsible for anyone else and certainly not making a woman responsible for any of this, but it is wild that no one ever asked Janet about this. No. And it's just sort of like an unspoken thing that like, don't bring this up with Janet Jackson. Right. But also, if you can get an interview with her, like something miraculous has already occurred. You know right. what I mean? Right. She, she, what's weird is even as she's been doing uh, press and had her comeback tour, it seems like she appears somewhere and then is whisked away to an island. <laughs> <laughs> she whispers thank you into, her, into a small mic, strapped to her face, and then leaves. Yes. Does it have a like official release date? Was it bought at the festival? Uh, so Leaving Neverland is going to be airing on HBO. Oof. Which means that everybody gonna see that mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the new season of Game of Thrones. Also, a documentary about Michael Jackson being an abuser. <laughs> also, question in that big Quincy Jones interview from whatever almost a year ago, whatever. Did they go into it with him at all? I don't recall. I feel like he mostly was like, "Yeah, the Beatles, they can't play music." I mean, I think the thing with Quincy Jones too is like you know him fully, like. One, it was like thriller era. So one, it was before he got very, I mean, like, I don't, obviously we don't know what he was doing the entire time, but it was like before he got super weird Mm -hmm. and it was like such a musical relationship. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people like the, I wouldn't ask Quincy Jones about that. Though he also did bad. So that was, that's the end of the eighties too. True. Yeah. But but but, I think that's, I think bad was like the beginning of the. Kara's right. I feel like the other just weird thing about the Michael Jackson stuff is it's not like a Brian Singer thing where his career started sort of with, you know, those allegations on the set of apt people, mm-hmm. you know, like we've known that he has been preying on people for his entire career, it seems like. And Michael, I feel like we all grew up watching his music and, you know, some of us were very young during like the bad era, but we saw him transform into whatever was going on. Right, right. And all of the stories that have come out, there really, there haven't been any that I've seen that have been like, when he was making Thriller, you know, well, he was, was all, doing this. Oh, right. It was yeah. like, it's later in his career. When, when Neverland we all, actually happens. Yes, yeah. when, mm-hmm. yes, when he built Neverland, and it seems like it was his mental state at then and everything else going on with him. And so it's, I feel like that's part of why people have been able to well, it's also compartmentalize like he, it. He, you know, there was no TMZ. Like, like he was able to keep it secret. It's like someone like Sean Penn. You know what I mean? Well, like it's hard to find the extent of like things that we all know that he's done, but because you could call a newspaper and be like, don't publish that. Right. And they wouldn't do it. So the Michael Jackson stuff is like, you can kind of believe that people had no, like, I don't know what he's doing in Neverland. Right. Until Madonna, Madonna now alleges that nothing happened with her and Sean Penn, but people who say that they remember yeah, that's that a New York situation. Post story about when they allegedly got into a fight, um, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like, I remember reporters when were trying to dig up um, that story, particularly Kate Arthur at uh, BuzzFeed, and it just doesn't exist anymore. It is crazy that we, at, at one point, actually really depended on tabloids because yeah. they were also so sensationalized that you could reasonably dis, uh, uh, disavow a lot of the crazy headlines too like because they were always saying like Liz Taylor about to die guess what she didn't die till like 20 years later you know yeah. meanwhile then you got all the news from like Michael Jackson from there too so it was a case of like how right are are they obligated to be and how right are they you know well I'm sure we will be talking about the documentary when mm-hmm. it comes out 
and we'll see where things go from there. We'll be right back. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And <laughs> I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. On Sunday, Fox aired its highly anticipated live performance of the Broadway musical Rent. And right here, we have a highly anticipated guest, Raja Kumari. What's good? Hi. Hi. Songwriter, rapper. Extraordinaire. Yeah. 
There it is. How's it going? Really good. Did you watch Rent? I, I caught some glimpses because I saw the, 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 the fallout um, oh, yeah. online. So I went back and checked it out. And um, a little interesting how that happened. Well, yeah. So the thing was, it was supposed to be live. It was supposed to be live. It was uh, so they aired the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Because which the, is so dicey. I've never heard that happening before. It's so unfair. So one of the actors like broke his ankle or something like yeah. the day before. So they were like, "We're just going to air the dress rehearsal we recorded yesterday." But one, there's a full studio audience, which I feel like people forget with these live shows. Like there were people there. Yeah. So I they, don't know what he they per- watched. He performed in his wheelchair. Uh, some people showed clips online. They did it concert style. So he was in his wheelchair just sort of hanging out with the cast. And they were all singing, sitting around on tables. And they did a full performance. Right. But the crazy thing about this is the reason they had to do that and they couldn't just perform it live is because they didn't have an understudy. Which is insane. Have they done play? Like, it's like the main thing. I Like the difference between plays and movies. You have this backup who every night can show up and fill in for something. And then they're like the underdog and they like get the chance at the end in the movie. It's yeah. just so bizarre that you would have something so, I mean like high stakes in quotes, right? Yeah. Like it's a Fox Live musical, <laughs> but like kind of high stakes in that like everyone's expecting you to perform this live and you know that anything could happen and you have no backup plan. Well, part of the problem too is that these musicals are so that they can do these cheaply you know and so they don't want to pay for someone else to be (laughs) an understudy and this actually happened Vanessa Hudgens is in this um, who I love she was great Uh, I have a comment on that she did fine we'll we'll move on go ahead okay well she was in Greece which Fox did like a year or so ago and they didn't have an understudy for her her father died like hours right, before right before oh, the live right. performance I mean, wow. and she had to still do it cuz they did not have anyone else to play Rizzo right yeah. i thought she okay uh, Vanessa Hudgens was in this Tanache was in this and i thought they had opposite problems which was Tanache had the sensuality of that part but not really the vocal power to like you Who know was really, Tanache the she's a she pop played, star she played. No, no, I know oh, I she played. Oh, Mimi, <laughs> Mimi, 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 she played. Okay, yes. yeah. And, uh, uh, She's a pop star. <laughs> She's an R&B star, sort of. I can pull up the wiki if you need. Yeah. Um, and then Vanessa Hudgens sang well, but then had no sensuality. I, th- I sort of thought she was like, you know, I, I, I use this metaphor a lot. Uh, Julia Stiles and said the last dancing her way through it. You know, like, mm. oh yeah, you like these hips? Mm. You know, like I'm a I'm a saucy lady. You know, kind of move. <laughs> it's kind of sad that like they aired the dress rehearsal because you know a lot of people they like don't go full out for right, a dress rehearsal right. and, it's and like, you could tell. And like the, you know they were saving their voice and then it's yes. like they aired this version that like is not fair to the other people in the cast that didn't break their right. ankle. You know, and also it's really strange that like. It's just a wheelchair. Like it, I mean, like I know it wasn't like what was yeah. wanted, but like they maybe could have found a way around that. Well, so that's the thing. It's a live performance, yeah. and you as a performer know that like the show must go on. It does, and man. they're trying to do theater on TV, but they don't want to embrace the concept of this is a live performance. Yeah. You know, like if you were airing a live musical performance and you had broken your foot or something, you would still be up there. With a cast. Well, <laughs> that actually reminds me of, which which award show was it that Jessie J wore a cast oh, right. after she 
broke Remember her foot. Remember when Mariah had her bedazzled sling? Yeah. yeah. I don't know I what she like, did, but. I feel like Drake hurt his leg really early in his career and was like leaning on a bar stool for like the BET Awards. I mean, it happens. Yeah. yeah. Also, by the way, if they had really leaned into it and had him, you know, whatever, in, in a chair the entire time, I secretly think the thrill of these shows is Exactly that. Not the show must go on, and if it's you know uh, low quality in certain ways, we like that because it's like high school theater or whatever. We just want to see like something real and rad. And those people like putting it together, even though he's injured, would have been pretty super heroic. I yeah, think. I think it would have like showed like that nature of theater. That, yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like, and it would have been like a very unique performance of rent like totally. for anybody like remember that one time the guy was in a wheelchair and we had to watch it like, like it would have been fun and I, it would have made Roger way more interesting too yeah. cuz he yeah. sort of is that guy that actor is a really good singer and i guess but that character I guess all he really wants is to be in the band Fuel. I mean, just, <laughs> which hadn't been invented yet in 1991. So I sort of understand. I feel like Rent 2, so like of all of the live music, mus- musicals, whatever we're calling these. Um, they're musicals. They're musicals. Um, Rent was the one I would have been like the most excited, excited for. Because yeah. it's like that was, I don't know, I feel like we're all, like a millennial age audience is, like came up on that in sort of a certain way. And like, um, I was more excited for that than, you know, The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I haven't watched many of them. Grease was say. exciting because I actually listened to that a lot. Yeah, Grease was, Grease was Grease. good. Yeah, that was like the the one that we did for our lip sync in our school. Like every yeah, yeah. song was performed. Like I know the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I know the hand drive. I didn't know what that was called. But yeah, so I was excited about that one. But yeah, this is definitely, this was know, like, yeah. Okay. One. Which ones do you want to see? I mean, like, I, I wish I knew more about, like, Broadway musicals. I've only, obviously, I would, like, be like, I want to see, oh, Bombay Dreams, which was, like, A.R. Rahman's musical that lasted only a little bit, but it gave me... I would die to see Bombay oh Dreams. Oh, my God, can I play the character is, like, the next question. Fox, we're pitching this to you right now. Bombay Dreams, yeah. I mean, that was awesome, and obviously, like, I remember seeing Cinderella once. I mean, like, any of... And I, think I, I think people need more exposure to Broadway musicals, mm. including me. So yeah. I think that it is a good medium to try to expose new people to it, but it might be cool if they, like... Maybe if they could film it in at Broadway so we get some of that yeah. vibe as I think well. Also, I would love to see, you, like, to me, the only Cinderella that exists is the Brandy uh, Cinderella. Hello. That's the only one. Hello. You had, like, this black Cinderella and, like, a Filipino prince yes. and, like, Whoopi was the mom and Victor. Like, it just was, like, we're just, we're just doing it, Whitney. Like, everyone, you know, yes, they made this child. We're believing this. It doesn't matter. It's Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Like, a pumpkin turns into a carriage. Yes. But, like, <laughs> I, I'm surprised that they aren't taking more risks with, like, Cast, the casting, yeah, yeah, with the casting, mm-hmm. like make Dorothy whoever, yeah, I think they're that... just doing it very by the book. And also, by the way, that Cinderella is still among the very highly rated live experiences ever on TV. And also, just it's it's so it's such a great live show. They should just do it again. That yeah. said, I just want to add that the Leslie Ann Moore in '60s version, which was also uh, a TV version of Cinderella. Lovely as well. With Celeste Holm as this fairy godmother. Wow, you know so much. I have a problem. You yeah. were like a, I'm taking you on like the trivia night. Oh, sure. No, that's where I live. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's where I, we wish you'd stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would do live cabaret next. That's wow. what we need in this universe. We need that. We need okay. that. I would do Phantom of the Opera. Oh my God, yes. I think it could be dramatic enough. Yeah. I saw yeah. Nicole Scherzinger sing a song from Van the Opera, and it was like, wow, I didn't know she had that kind of scale. Oh, she like. also yes. did um, Rent live at the Hollywood Bowl a few years ago, and after watching this performance, I went back and watched her. I mean, it's weird the woman isn't a superstar. She truly has her, all of the talents. Her vocals are yeah. like, it's ridiculous. She was hitting those like soprano notes, and I was just like, oh, who's this opera singer? Like, yeah. She's incredible. It's crazy. 
Her version of Don't Cry For Me Argentina, which you can look up. Guys, why is she able to sing it that well? It's upsetting. (laughs) She's talented. I guess. Very talented. Mm -hmm. Very talented. Uh, Raja. Yes. Let's talk about you. Okay. I love this song of yours, Shook. Oh, thank you. Yes, I think you're a really great songwriter. Thanks. I spent a lot of time learning from the best, so I hope it rubbed off on me. Who are your like main influences? I mean, musically, like just growing up in Los Angeles, but like having a lot of Indian influence, like, I grew up on a lot of Indian music when I was really young. So like A.R. Rahman, who is the musical director mm-hmm. for Slumdog Millionaire, and I was talking about Bombay Dreams. He was really a groundbreaking music director for India because he did a lot of fusion. You know, he mm-hmm. brought in whatever influenced him from the West into Bollywood. So that was like my first introduction to like Indian music that had a fusion ability, like Spanish or whatever. And then for me, it was Lauren, you know, like my brother gave me the Fuji's album really early and I had no idea what they were actually talking about, but I was like learning about American culture through the lyrics. Like I didn't know who Cassius Clay was. Like I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the more like I'm Cassius Clay. I was like, who is this? Or like, like I'm Nina Simone. I'm like, who is that? Like my yeah. parents didn't listen to American music. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were playing me you know, um, the Supremes on a Sunday. Like, I didn't get any of that education. So I really had to, like, get that for myself. But, you know, those artists really shaped me and, like, made me kind of go on the journey. But I've been really lucky to work with such incredible producers and writers. And every session I learned something. I try to keep like get one lesson from every every session, and usually it's just to get the hell out of my own way. <laughs> that's like usually what it is. It's like, wow, you're so free. I should be free. <laughs> like, that's usually it. I'm picturing you listening to the Fuji's record, be like, where is Fuji La? Yeah. Can yeah. I can I go there? <laughs> there was all kinds of lyrics that made no sense to me. I just remember, I always talk about this, but it was like I clearly remember this memory. Because, you know, I, she says, uh, I'll be Nina Simone. Lauren says this. I'll be Nina Simone and defecating on your microphone. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is defecate? Pulled <laughs> <laughs> out the dictionary because it's that time period of life. And then I like look for it and I'm like, poop? She, wa- like, she wants to poop on a microphone? Like I was so like didn't understand Well, because if you weren't listening, yeah, like the idea I was of like. Just, I was such a kid. Like yeah. no one had like explained that. But it's like I grew up with that album. Like I think mm-hmm. I've purchased it like 15 times. Like I just kept <laughs> buying it over life. And I feel like it taught me a lot. Like, that's like the foundation of me understanding like lyrical wordplay and like Wycliffe John is a great teacher. Proswell's is, those are great people to learn from. But obviously, from that, I, you know, I went into Tupac and Nas and Biggie. And I like really like had periods of time where like I only listened to Pac. Like, it was just like, if it's not Pac, it's not playing. (laughs) Like, and that was just kind of like growing up in LA and just like, I don't know, I just felt like, so connected to it like I always felt like hip-hop was like this vehicle to like express myself because I always never felt like an outsider in it whereas growing up in America you know now you can see more Indian faces Mm -hmm. or brown faces or people from you know my culture but you know with Hassan and with um, you know Aziz and Mindy Mindy just getting that huge deal like at Sunday like you know these things are so inspiring but like none of that existed so you know just like I always related with with hip-hop like mm-hmm. you know it's always like okay well the same way that this came from that kind of struggle like that is part of you know mm-hmm. our struggle as well so it's just been an interesting journey it's yeah. been really fun S- sidestepping hip-hop for a moment mm-hmm. you've collaborated with many artists like Gwen Stefani yes. Fifth Harmony oh yeah the one I want to know about the most okay is one of my favorite bands okay it's Fall Out Boy oh my yes amazing I love that yeah that song was I co-wrote Centuries, mm-hmm. and um, it actually started with Justin Tranter, um, who is 
mm-hmm. one of the most incredible pop writers. Like, mm-hmm. I call him the god of pop now. <laughs> it's just like, look what happened. So Justin Tranter, myself, and J.R. Rodham, like, had done, like, a three-day session. We had written, like, all these pop songs. I believe there was a pop song called Bubblegum amongst, like, the days that we wrote this. Like, you know, we were just, like, writing some shit. And then, um, oops. Uh, oh, no, please. Okay, please. I was like, yeah. hold up. It's really hard to keep those words together. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were writing it, and, like, it was the last day, and we had, like, a half day. And then we're like, let's just do a chorus. And, you know, we just wrote this chorus and like it was just like I remember in my mind I'm like I'm on a golden chariot like galloping into the Mm -hmm. sunset and like you know this is this big idea and we thought like oh maybe for Jay-Z and Rihanna or something Yeah. and that was you know I sang the demo and I was like okay here's the chorus Mm -hmm. and you know it just like within a day or something day or two days it had gotten to the to Fall Out Boy's management. Mm. And the craziest thing about that record, what it taught me the most is to never limit a song. Mm. Like never write it and think like, I know what's gonna happen with this. Mm-hmm. Because they heard it and they heard themselves in it, you know? And they weren't really like working on a project at that time. And you know, they were able to like, you know, they wrote their verses, they wrote the, the, the bridge and they like made it their own and they just took it to the next level. And that was the first time I was part of a record that, you know, went top 10 in the U.S. And like it was my first platinum record. And okay. it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it got, um, you know, synced for all the NFL stuff and all the college football and all like the sports things. And the craziest thing, like Kobe walked out to his final game to Centuries. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's it's it's yeah. insane. It's just like, wow, I, I'm like this person that doesn't even play sports and I like contribute to like a sports anthem that will last for all time. But it was just like, okay, wow, like also being able to as a songwriter and you know, I'm an artist, but like to watch the record just go like that, it was such an opportunity to learn about like the possibilities of life and like to never, you know, yeah. restrict, you know, what is possible. But that was one of the coolest things that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And now I work out at the same place as Pete. So I always see Pete. And I'm like, hi, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Remember me for centuries. <laughs> what is our next platinum? Yeah. Yeah. Coming out? Let's yeah. do it again. You guys need an opener. I can do like a rock version of my record. Uh, well, you have your debut EP, The Come Up. Yes. Uh, and people can listen to that. You are also going on tour with Emily K who has yes. been on the show. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see you there. It's going to be so much fun because I think the people that are going to come out just like love great music, are willing to experience new things. It's going to be like a really cool vibe. I'm so excited. Do you like tour life? I love tour life. I yeah. live for that. I yeah. live for it. It's just been like I've been in India the last 2 years and like heavily on tour there mm-hmm. and like tour life in India is a whole other thing. Right. You're like, yo, we're like you know, I've been to like the border of India and China, which like has one road up and it takes like three hours and you're just like, you know, there's no way down but that one way down. It's like I've been to so many remote places that like touring in America is, is like, it's exciting. Yeah. I'm like, wow, Washington, D.C., fantastic. Like, <laughs> A couple of airports there. Yeah, yeah, there's like things here. It's great. And in some ways it's like we're starting over, which is it's always like good, you know, like get out of your comfort zone and, you know, be humble. Yeah. Do it again. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, so, thank you for coming, Raja. Of course. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you again to Raja Kumari. You can find her EP, The Come Up, on Spotify. Go listen to it. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Last week, media companies dealt a devastating blow to their employees after around 1,000 editors, writers, and other media workers were laid off BuzzFeed and Verizon, who own AOL, Yahoo, and HuffPost, uh, they were among the media companies that suddenly parted ways with hundreds of employees, and the number is likely to increase in the next few weeks. Oh, yeah. So BuzzFeed is laying off 15% of their workforce, workforce, which is a ton of people. Yeah. I know now that they've gotten rid of most of the BuzzFeed entertainment team, they got rid of BuzzFeed LGBT. BuzzFeed Australia is completely also, gone. Also, their national security desk and like their, like, that was what I found really interesting because mm-hmm. they got rid of like the lifestyle team too, which, you know, you expect, you know, in sort of economic hardships, but they were getting rid of like very serious journalists who you're like, we kind of need those people right, right now. Which is lending to the annoying conservative narrative of people who are like gleeful that people are losing their jobs which is gross Um, but mostly like this narrative that BuzzFeed oh they're giving you that fake news because that's what Trump says and of course you're firing the reporters because now they're stamping down on this fake news I'm like that isn't how any of this is working. No. Right. <laughs> also, I mean, it is disturbing because lots of the BuzzFeed, namely the entertainment writers there, I definitely have read consistently for five, whatever, six years. Like every name that was laid off, I was like, I can I can think of pieces you've written. So the fact that even those people were let go is just sh- shocking. I mean, how often, how often are you actually reading somebody regularly on the internet? You know? Well, and it's never the people who are the executives who've caused fuck-ups at these companies <laughs> who get axed is always like, oh, this writer you know who's looking for work. I'm like, you know, maybe you should be firing whoever at BuzzFeed decided that they wanted to spend a week firing people um, because they, we knew that the layoffs were coming and they started firing people last Thursday. It is now Tuesday and they're still firing people. Well, because it, it leaked. And so they were like, they have so many people to fire that they mm-hmm. were like, we can't do this in one day. And so then you had people, I think they were going to start like on Monday. Instead, you had, they started firing people last week. So you had people spending the weekend unsure if they were going to get fired on Monday, which is like, 
is crazy. Yeah. Uh, maybe get some outside consultation or someone who knows how to deal with mass firings because I, I couldn't imagine living yeah, with that. I, I mean, well, I can. Um, <laughs> I was at MTV News um, <laughs> when all of a sudden we were told, hey, we're going to get rid of you all. Um, luckily, we had started the unionization process, and so they couldn't access right then, and it was a long death march. I eventually left uh, before they actually got rid of my team at MTV News, but I feel like, you know, I've worked in media, you have, Lewis. I know. I was just going to say, by the way. I feel like we've all been at companies that have gone through things like this. I literally, all of my major writing has been at websites that no longer exist. I can't (laughs) link to things I've written that I was, you know, proud of, interviews I was excited about. There are videos that have survived, thank God. But otherwise, I mean, just the 25 best moments in Clue, can't find it anywhere. I think media, (laughs) what's, What's so bizarre to me about media is like you had the music industry, you know, 20 years ago where it was like, here's Napster. Shit is going to be very. This is an MP3. This is an iPod. The way that you made money on music is going to change. And like it took, I feel like the music industry a while to figure it out. But it was like, wow, now we're just going to tour for seven months out of the year and the tickets are going to be $200. And that's how we're going to make all of our money again. Like it took the music industry, you know, streaming is arguable about like how well that works out yeah, for who's everyone. Getting paid, right, yeah. But I feel like they did enough of a, okay, we're, we have to figure out a different way to make money. And with media, it's like the internet has been around for a while. You've known about this. You've had time to prepare. Al Gore you, was cooking it up he, in his like, basement. You know, you've understood that this, like, people are, you've seen subscriptions to, like, newspapers plummet. All of this stuff you, you know, I think, unfortunately, with a lot of the online stuff, this pivot to video bullshit, yeah. that mm-hmm. was largely the result of, like, a Facebook report that turned out to be untrue, fucked a lot of people. Thanks, but, Mark Zuckerberg. Right. But it's interesting how the media industry just hasn't quite figured it out yet. You know, and like, and that's how you end up with, you know, like BuzzFeed, where you realize BuzzFeed had to cut all those people in order to be profitable. And it's like, you're not profitable. Right. It seems like every solution is everything must be much, much leaner. Like, that's it. Well, one of the darkest things about the BuzzFeed firing is there was a post from the head of quizzes at BuzzFeed. And we all know that BuzzFeed makes a lot of quizzes. It gets so much of their traffic. He wrote that basically he's not useful because so much of the quizzes that are on BuzzFeed are user generated because mm. BuzzFeed has the community BuzzFeed community and community contributors. And so teenagers, college students, uh, people who are interested in making their own quizzes, they can get viral traffic for BuzzFeed and it's free labor. Yeah. BuzzFeed doesn't need to hire an actual person to make them anymore. And it's sad that some people who make a lot of those quizzes on Twitter were sad. They were like, oh my God, am I responsible for someone being fired? And it's, you know, it's not like they're directly responsible. It is BuzzFeed for sort of devaluing these people's labor. That it's model, like, yeah. It's that whole model for it. It's like, you shouldn't be making these quizzes for free. 
you should be using your skills and getting paid. I was know? about to say, like, who could do that? Who could contribute so much free material to a website and get nothing from it? And then I realized I'm a participant on Twitter. So actually, it's really um, hypnotic. Right. And um, I remember back when I started at BuzzFeed, I used to work there. Um, I had to make community posts to even get hired. Mm-hmm. The hiring process is make these free posts for us so we can see if you can get traffic and what you can do, and then maybe we'll hire you. Also, and that's well before you had any following, right? So that's like a a way for you to get clout, too. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's, I think, too, I feel like we talked about this where people sometimes think with publications that live on the internet, like, I think people, there were people that thought that, like, I logged on to Jezebel and just typed in shit and press send and then it popped up on like there weren't like I didn't have editors like there wasn't a process like you can't just post shit like these are media organizations and um, you know they're just not taken they're not always taken seriously and Mm -hmm. like listen we joke about BuzzFeed with the quizzes and whatever but like they've been doing very important (laughs) journalism you know for the last few years and to cut something like their national security desk now it's like our national security, we don't have any. Right. These are not the people we should be getting rid of. Well, it's hard because BuzzFeed then has spent so much time talking about how they want to give you serious journalism, and now they're reverting back to let's get this traffic from exactly. these free quizzes and things, which is what we had before. Right. Um, I also feel like people still are too shady to BuzzFeed about the, the the kinds of entertainment content they've provided. It's like they ended up reinventing the way we digest, you know, amusing content online. And I, yeah. and it's like... Even their videos about like cooking and stuff with like the overhead um, right. hands and stuff. It's like they changed the way a lot of videos are seen on the internet. And then they have AM to DM. Um, you know, Syed and Isaac are on that. Um, Sylvia O'Bell show Hella Opinions. You know, it's like they're developing other content. And I mean, I guess if you were making one of those contents, you're like, well, oh, well, at I, least they, I know I'm fine. They fi- the person who did the, f- I read and, you know, I don't know, I'm pretty sure it's true, but they said that the, like, the person who did some of the early quizzes was fired. The person who did, like, that first overhead sort of food tutorial video was fired. The person who did the, do you remember the dress? Is it blue or is it yeah. white or what? Kate, like, Kate's, yeah. um, they fired her. They fired her. Like, you, like, Buzz if those people aren't traffic safe, ever. ever. Who, like, like, created a viral internet, like, phenomenon, and that person isn't safe. Well, at first they had a little scandal where they weren't going to pay people their paid time off, too. Yeah. Uh, and now Jonah has decided to do that. Because actually, I did not know that it's only, you only have to do that in, in California. California. Oh, by the weird. Way. It is not legal in It's not a law in, in, in other, other places that when you're laid off, you have to pay them paid time off. And it, so they were only going to pay their California employees. So which is the other shitty thing? Like, yeah. they were... You have employees in California, so they were going to get their paycheck off, but everyone everywhere else wasn't going to get it. And, and how anyone people, thought that was a good idea? And some people were like, uh, I moved, I started as an employee in California and just moved to New York, right. and so now I'm not going to get my paycheck yeah. off. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to be like shitty about it, but I often think about how happy I am to not be working. I was like ready to get out of media when I was, and I guess arguably this is also still media, but you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> But like you'll that, never get out of it. No, but it's such a like it's such a grind, and like 
when you have all these public, you know, there's a very clear ceiling. Like if you are, if you're a writer at a publication, you can become an editor. But like, let's say they hired a new editor in chief last year and that person's 40 years old. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. So you're not going to be the editor in chief anytime soon unless you go somewhere else or unless that person, you know, resigns in scandal or whatever it is. So it just, it's it's such a weird time for the industry and it's unfortunate because it's a time when it's so necessary Mm -hmm. and you know like for as much as like Gawker was good and bad when you think about the work Gawker would have been doing right now with Trump as president it's like I feel that loss meanwhile you have new Gawker coming along with that chick who's running it who was being fat phobic online transphobic transphobic had comments about how um, she didn't want to hire like people of color because they oh because you know they only they write only about, write about, about like race. race shit yeah beautiful point <laughs> yeah very relevant for 2019 Which, keep it up speaking as a person who was in the media whenever i was i was a pop culture writer and like i was i did not want to write about shit where black people ended up dying all the time listen there are thousands <laughs> of words Probably tens of thousands of words I've written on the Real Housewives yeah. on the internet. So. By the way, I want to say to your point about um, being sort of aware that there's a ceiling when you take these jobs. Like years ago, I inter- interviewed to be like an LGBT writer, contributor. I think it was for BuzzFeed. But even then, when you know the website was ostensibly doing amazing, a part of you thinks, I know I can work my ass off in a job that I would like, love even, you know, LGBT news, entertainment, whatever, and still it's not enough due to circumstances beyond my control. I mean, that's a very specific set of kind of terrifying circumstances for a job. You know what I mean? So it's like the fact that these writers, editors, et cetera, are going through this now is just like confirmation of probably what is secretly a very longstanding dread. Yeah. Um, And of course you have white America's president. Grabbing low-hanging fruit oh, right. with his, you know, tweet like the axe falls on BuzzFeed and HuffPost. Uh, fake news and bad journalism have caused a big downturn. Sadly, many others will follow. The people want the truth. You know what? So he is, <laughs> and it's almost—it's truly is masterful because it's like when you argue with an idiot, you you can't you cannot argue with a stupid person because if you were to contextualize this for him and it's like it's not like he sees anything as the causation coming from him yeah you know like anything that happens it's like well I said fake news and they're getting fired it's like no you dumbass there's like an entire economic structure (laughs) and like model for the business that is why this is happening it doesn't have shit to do with you but because he's stupid you can't you couldn't possibly explain that to him or any of these other morons who are out here celebrating this and it's just like the most frustrating type of because you want to like you want to clap back and be like no idiot that's not what it is but it's like you can't have that conversation with him it's like the Liz Warren thing it's like oops and now like Liz Warren has egg on her face you know no just a couple there's days no ago winning with yeah. the, there's no winning this argument with these people I, I mean literally a couple days ago he said it's cold outside where's your global warming now yeah or exactly something. you know it's, it's just, just like well okay I'm done <laughs> I uh, there is a except for the people who love to respond to his mentions on Twitter. Still, right? I one think there of, are people who get paid for that professionally. One of my favorite things Gia Tolentino has ever written was this was like a I, I think it was sort of it was like an Ask Polly question, and it was some crazy like they ha- the couple was having a baby and they had some like anti vaxxer who was shaming them or whatever it was Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> but Gia said something like, first of all, you cannot be shamed." by an idiot just it's impossible right and that for that changed my life i was like oh you're right 
you cannot be shamed by like Donald Trump cannot shame you. He's an idiot. It just isn't possible when someone is that stupid. And I feel like that's the only approach I can take with like all of his nonsense around this. Yeah, he can't even he shouldn't be able to fool you into believing he's actually really thinking about you. He's so self-interested that any like lashing out he does is uh, an act in itself. He, he's not interested in anything. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully people get some jobs. I know. Uh, that is a lot of people yeah. who are suddenly without jobs. Yeah. And many of them are going to be looking for careers in other fields yeah. at this point, to be honest. When we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the week. <laughs> As always, might not be someone's favorite segment this week. Some of these keep it's are hostile yeah. and pointed mm. and trying to make a statement. <laughs> First, we'll go to Lewis's. Mine is light. Alanis Morissette has a musical based on her American debut album, Jagged Little Pill. It's going to Broadway. It is written by my friend Diablo Cody. I cannot wait. I've never, I've not seen it yet. I'm an obsessive Alanis Morissette fan. My keep it is to the inevitable wave of the resurgent take that the song Ironic is not ironic. Couple of things. One, you don't sound smart. You don't sound like you teach an English class or a rhetoric class or what, however smart you want to sound, it's boring. It's a boring old take. Second of all, there is irony in the song Ironic because the irony is that when the, the song is an ironic. No, well, that's an, that's a whole other boring ass take. All right. The, okay. <laughs> that's what people usually go to. When the, the guy. Alanis Morissette army over here. Right. Well, no, it gets hostile. Supposed former infatuation, actual junkie, like, like heroin. When the guy goes down on the plane after being afraid of flying his entire life, he goes, well, isn't this nice? That is ironic that he is somehow actually relieved that the worst, his idea of the worst possible circumstance has come true. To find yourself actually at peace when your living nightmare, your idea of a living nightmare comes true is sort of beautiful, I think. And what makes the song kind of transcendent. Anyway, Alanis Morissette, you rule. I love your long wavy tendrils. Loved your Canadian pop that inspired that one character on How I Met Your Mother. Thanks for everything. Well, I love this 1997 essay from Spin Magazine. <laughs> Blender, thank you. Kara, mm -hmm. I don't even want to hear this. Go ahead. Yeah, you Go ahead. So we're all talking about Ted Bundy for some reason. Because he's still murdering people. When is he going to get caught? <laughs> and there has been this... I don't want to say popular, but an opinion that is bubbling to the surface that Ted Bundy was hot, is hot. And that's sort of an age old take on him, too. But like, here's the thing. The people who but they're they're being very like rabid. It's like, no, Ted Bundy was hot. You know what you sound like? You sound like the women that send him letters in prison who like were marrying serial killers in prison. You sound crazy because, listen, there is a ceiling on people's hotness. There's a ceiling and you lose it when they're murdering like 50 women. At that point, someone doesn't get to be hot anymore. I'm sorry. And I'm looking at Ira because he was part. He <laughs> was part of this. And more to the point, he wasn't that hot. Serial how killer or not. People, serial killer or not. Ted Bunny wasn't that hot. How, what is the threshold? Like if you murder three people, can you still be hot? 
Phil Spector is still kind of sexy. Yeah, right. Um, I'm going to say... Like, OJ during the trial was still attractive. Jesus. You just like murderers. That's what... Right. It, all of these... You just... You all like murderers. Yeah. That's what it is. Not to that's kink you, shame, but... Yeah, yeah. That's what you need to admit to yourselves. Because even if Ted Bundy was just a dude, he's not that hot. He's being played by Zac Efron Who is now. hot? Who is hot? Zac Efron looks good in the movie. Start casting these hot people as serial killers then. Zac Efron, <laughs> Penn Badgley. I kind of had it with true crime. I just, what, what other takeaway do we get from this nonsense anymore? I always feel like when I watch things about real life serial killers or killer, uh, afterwards, it, it feels very entertaining and, and like you're on a high watching it because it's, you know, thrilling and scary or whatever. And then afterwards, you just feel awful because there are actual dead people. There's also opinions that you can have but you don't need to broadcast. <laughs> you know how many things I think all the time that none of you will ever know about? A lot of shit. This is one if of those. About Lewis, just say that. This is a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those where you can think Ted Bundy is hot. You can. Listen, but no one needs to know that. No one needs to know that. Just w- watch the movie on your own. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. It's not like I think he's blonde Chris Messina. You know, I don't think he's like the epitome of sex. No one's. It, it I'm just saying that, you know, if you were at Whole Foods and you were looking for oat milk and you had to go up to someone who works there and you said, hey, where's the oat milk? And they were like, oh, there was only one container. And that guy over there took the last one. And you went over to him and you were like, please give me the oat milk. I've gone to every Whole Foods looking for it. And he turned around and he was, you know, like had a hemp tote and, you know, maybe like some denim, um, like a Canadian tuxedo look on, that would be Ted Bundy. And he would say, hey, yeah, you could have my oat milk. Um, do you want to go have lunch at Squirrel? And yes, then you'd be I dead. would. Then you'd be dead. Well, I don't think he was killing black gay men. Listen, okay? you like, don't. I'm going to sever off. Jeffrey Dahmer was. He was also attractive at some point. I'm going to sever. Oh. I'm going to sever off my own limbs if you keep talking about this. Isn't that interesting, guys? Uh, just keep. Oh just... well, well, find my uh, Ted Bundy fan fiction. <laughs> also, by the way, doesn't it sort of feel like the bar is like he's really hot, especially compared to other murderers? Like we're not right. used to them being so cute. He also yeah. just isn't that hot he just as a human being i'm sorry guys he's of average uh attractiveness he's not that hot serial killer or not which apparently is working for some people you know what beauty is in the eye of the fbi investigator okay (laughs) so cute my keep it this week is to a true monster (laughs) julie chad (laughs) moon I'm familiar. Yeah. Uh, she she is still calling herself Julie Chen Moonvest, by the way, on, Big, oh. on Celebrity Big Brother. Like every night she's she like, adds the moon I'm vest. Julie Chen Moonvest. I'm like, you sound ignorant. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Just so, shouting Moonvest left and right. It continues to be a weird take for it's her. It's very weird. I yeah. don't know why she's still hosting this show. But anyway, Celebrity Big Brother this week ruined the sanctity of one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> the Mooch was on the show all of a sudden he was out of the house and doing like something in switzerland i don't know then on friday we found out that he wasn't actually a house guest he was a secret house guest what uh like he was a fake house guest and there was a new twist called the mooch's veto and so you know in Big Brother when you're nominated for eviction you get to play for the power yeah. of veto so you can get yourself off the block there was another veto competition called the Mooch's Veto. 
Wait, and so he was, was not he, really a contestant? Yes. Got it. He okay. wasn't ever a contestant? Which was makes he it in seem, the house? Which is yes. dumb because I don't believe it. I believe uh, that he just wanted to leave and they came up with this dumb twist. I don't know. What's also interesting is he left the game abruptly the way I thought Omarosa would have last year. That's what I had planned for her, that she would just like right. walk out and get sick of it. But but yeah, so he's just gone now. It's like, what was the point of this? They, they wanted him to be really amusing and it just didn't work out either. He just wasn't entertaining. He wasn't out here recording secret meetings in situation rooms, which is now the bar for one of these people. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I will deal with you being on Big Brother if you have hard evidence that could accidentally be useful to us in some way. He wasn't smart enough. He didn't have any. He didn't have any like. He didn't have any good intel. Yeah, Omarosa's hairy at the spot. He's just scout walking around without his shoes on. And also, he was there for two seconds. Like he wouldn't even have had the. T- even if he had recorded every moment that he was at the White House, we'd have nothing. We'd have lunch orders. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to think of who from that universe I do want in the Big Brother house. Like, I'm sorry. How high does the offer have to be to get Tiffany in there? I'm sorry, I can't be that high. But What's Tiffany she doing? Know shit. Nobody's talking to her. Do, Tiffany. I doesn't, wonder. Tiffany doesn't know anything. I mean, not to bring up that conversation. Hope Tiffany Hicks. Anyway. Hope. Oh, Hope Hicks. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. She, and by fun, I mean horrifying. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah. Kellyanne. Oh God. Well, I mean, she's still there. You know who I want when he's of age is Baron. Oh right. <laughs> That's who we get in the Big Brother house. Because you know what I. I, I don't listen. Obviously, I don't know these people and their family, but it would be amazing if he hits eighteen and he's just like "fuck you, people" and just went nuclear on, on all of them. Yeah, because be- like Baron is, Baron is just storing away his secrets. They think he's just quiet. They think he's playing on his iPad and he's really recording all of this shit. I hope he's like an artsy weirdo who goes to Oberlin and has like a liberal freakout and stuff. That's what I'm looking forward well. to. More than likely, with our luck, he'll end up being King Joffrey. (laughs) 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 That's That's our show this week. (laughs) You were tired. This was a this was a harrowing episode. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I just you know what? I'm I'm just not gonna come back next week. Oh yeah. Okay, try that. Help Rami draft his Oscar speech. I'm gonna go on a mission and find Rami Malik myself. And, and teach him what an apology is? Yes. <laughs> All right. This has been Keep It. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting you're working hard real hard and you're thirsty you need vitamins nutrients for peak performance and energy and your plants do too oh i mean just look at the little guy water soluble plant food from miracle grow is full of essential nutrients just a little scoop into your watering can and boom instant feeding and bigger more beautiful plants it's kind of like a sports drink for your plants you may have to suffer from heat but your plants do not 